Hello. Hello, Larry. How are you? Oh, I'm just blessed. <laughs> Had the wrong time here. Check this out. There you go. Did you read it? I've read it about 20 times, buddy. Check all the boxes to it. If you don't have all those boxes checked at the end, you haven't read it. I'm working in progress, Father Larry. It so that hard. Come on. I, I, give, I give that book out to tons and tons of people. So I feel, I, I'm talking to the rock star here. 
The Jesus oh, yeah. rock star. They're going to sit there and really be upset when they're in hell forever, and it's your fault. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. Listen, you got me. So, Father Larry, uh, is there anything specific you want to talk about today? God. Okay. Other than God? <laughs> I'm fine. You got it. Okay, buddy. <laughs> Listen, um, so we'll start it out. I, I like the people to know um, one of the reasons why I do this podcast is I want um, – it's a little bit of evangelism to it um, right. in that – you know, I want younger people when they when they watch this and listen to it to understand the practicalities of okay. what we do. Okay. And um, and now more than ever with, with what's sure. going on in the country. So, are right, you ready? I'm ready. You got it. So I'm thrilled, excited, just really uh, blessed to have blessed. Father Larry Richards uh, on the program today, Father Larry. Um, I got to know Father Larry on, by listening to him on the radio and by reading a book that uh, I read called Be a Man, uh, Becoming the Man God Created You to Be. Um, I read that book, and I said, listen, i got to meet this guy. I've never met Father Larry. This is the first time I've ever talked to him. Uh, but I, I feel like I know him because I've read the book probably 20 times. There you go. Um, I think it's Great book. And so, Father Larry, thanks for so much for coming on the program. Great to be here, Joseph. It's excellent. So, uh, I'm glad that book is now 11 years old. It's getting old. Yeah. By God's I mean, grace, it still does well. So, Joe's God can use any jerk to do his will. So, as long as you're open. I'm open to it. So, Father Larry, first of all, um, tell, tell me, um, you're in Pennsylvania, right? Erie, Pennsylvania. Yep. Okay, tell me, just tell us, uh, the listeners, you know, where you come from, how you grew up, and your parents, and all that type of stuff. Sure. I am a Pittsburgher. I grew up in uh, Pittsburgh, PA, because God is a Steelers fan, just so everybody knows who's listening. So, uh, I grew up, uh, both my parents were police officers. My mother graduated highest ever from the Pittsburgh Police Department, and she was a cop until uh, she retired. My father was a police officer for many years in the city of Pittsburgh, and I grew up on the north side. So, in, um, you know, it's a, it was a you know, a hard life, if you will. My father was an alcoholic. It was a bad alcoholic. His father was an alcoholic. My mother's father was an alcoholic. My dad's dad was a street uh, alcoholic. We'd have to go into the streets and pick him up. And my father would say he would never be like his dad and he died of the same thing, but even earlier than his father died of the same reality. So my family, you know, I always say the best way to explain my family is if you ever, those of you who are older watch Roseanne on TV, that's my family. But my family was much worse than Roseanne. So if you want to sit there, we're pretty blue collar people. You know, I have a classmate that loves to sit there and say, you know, you have blue collar tastes. And I go, oh yeah, I'm pretty blue collar type person. But it's because of my family. I went to a Catholic grade school, but I went to a public high school, Allegheny High School in Pittsburgh. And that's at, um, when I was a junior there, we were reading a play in class. And we're reading the play Our Town. And in that play, you know, the main character dies. And I'm sitting in class and I'm sitting there thinking, oh, and it was the first time I ever thought about even death, you know, and then it's, 
you know, death is the ultimate uncontrol, huh? Like we all think we're in control of everything. Well, we're not even in control of our next breath, you know, and as people find that out more and more with the pandemic we're in now that life can go that fast, you know? And so then I was like, well, I don't believe in anything. I thought just because I was brought up Catholic doesn't mean that I should be Catholic because I could have been brought up Buddhist. I could have been brought up atheist. I could have been brought up Muslim. I could have been brought up Jewish, you know? So I, whatever, just because you're brought up something doesn't make it true. So when I'm in class and I realized I was going to die someday, I thought, well, I want to know what's true. Not what I was taught, but what's true. So I would go every day. I used to work in the U.S. Steel Building in downtown Pittsburgh. Now it's, uh, I don't know what it's called, but it's not the U.S. Steel Building anymore. And uh, so I'd go next door of the church to the Epiphany, and every day I'd just sit there and I'd say, Jesus, are you real? Aren't you real? Do you care? Don't you care? And one day after about six months, me being there most days, he revealed himself to me. And I says, I'll do anything you want. Tell me what I, what, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. And he says, uh, I want you to be a priest. I said, okay. And so as uh, 17 years old, I applied for seminary and I entered seminary and I was 17 and now I'm 60. So I've been in all these, all these years, I've been part of this, uh, part of the church and uh, trying to serve the Lord as best I can. So, you know, um, that I've seen that play. My daughter Claire was in that play. Uh, Our town. It's it's the one that uh, where pe- there some of the people are dead on the stage and 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 they're looking back at their life and wondering. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah. Absolutely. And so and so so you say you were raised Catholic. What does that mean? Well, we went to a Catholic grade school. And my grandmother would come and take me to church every Sunday, but my family didn't go to church. My father wasn't Catholic. You know, he, and he, in fact, uh, I often tell the story that, you know, the last thing he ever wanted me to be as a priest, he thought I was a waste of life. You know, in fact, I took my girlfriend with me. Her name was Gail Redhead to tell my dad I was going to go to seminary because my parents were divorced by them and I thought he'd kill me. And so I thought he wouldn't kill me with my girlfriend there. So I stood behind the girl. Yes, it was really bad. But anyway, but even when I was in seminary, because I went back a year, so I went to two years high school and seminary, he would sit there and write me letters about what a waste of life I was going to be because he thought it because of my gifts and everything, my perfect life would be to be a lawyer of all things. That's all we need. It's another lawyer. Sorry, uh, but anyway, but that was that's all right. I get it. That's what I should do. I should be a lawyer, you know. And uh, and he thought, what a waste. And then he talked about, well, you know, you can still be a lawyer in the Catholic Church. I hear there's lawyers, and then you get to be a canon lawyer, and you get to be that. Thanks be to goodness, I would didn't do that, or I'd have been a bishop because most bishops are canon lawyers and regular lawyers. That's the ideal thing to be a bishop, or used to be under the old uh, Pope, but not so much now. But so anyway, he always thought that that was what I'd be. And uh, he really believed that he, we had a big conversation one day and he says, you know, I believe in the God of the Old Testament. You know, the God, it says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And I believe that Jesus was his son and he sent Jesus. But then Jesus got a little confused and he said, you know, it used to be an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But what I say to you is turn the other cheek. And then he said, so I think God the Father got mad and had him killed. I <laughs> go, 
Oh, dear. <laughs> well, what kind of theology is that? I've never been able to categorize that. But but uh, when he died, he did come to know Christ. And that was my major prayer for him all his life, that he came to know Christ. And my mother always thought that the church kept people away from God. So she never went to church much at all, you know, because she, you know, in those days, my mother was married three times. And she always saw the church as people, oh, so you're married and divorced, so you can't go to. Uh, communion. You can't, you're not a good Catholic. Oh, you miss mass. Oh, you can't go to communion. So she only saw the church as keeping people away from God instead of inviting people to God. So this was the family that I came back, I, I, my background is, and, and then I get ordained to the faith. And so eventually my mother came and started going to mass because she didn't even go to mass on Sunday. And then finally she started going to mass on Sunday. I got to bless her third marriage, which she's still in. Uh, she has Alzheimer's now, not doing well but you know so all those things you know god uh is still present in the midst of all the things you know so people often say father you have a uh, you you have issues <laughs> i have lots of issues <laughs> after right. someone read my book once they said oh yeah you got issues and i just said yes we all do and that's the glory and the grace of god that none of us come from perfect families that none of us have perfect personalities and yet god still decides to love us and to use us when we have a heart that's open to him and wanting to do his will so now you're hanging out in pennsylvania still Yes, I'm a pastor at, uh, in Erie, Pennsylvania, which is two hours north of uh, Pittsburgh, because I used to be, when I entered seminary, I studied for the Society of Divine Word, Divine Word Missionaries. They have a place up in Techni, right outside of Chicago. This is their home base in the United States, or a missionary order. And so I studied for them in high school. And then, um, but when I decided I want to be a diocesan, I came to the Diocese of Erie. So I just started my 19th year here is pastor of St. Joseph Church, which is an inner city parish. I've been ordained this year is 31 years by God's grace. And every year I get more excited. I love priesthood more than anything else. I love being a pastor. So uh, this is where I'm at and I love it. Congratulations. Um, so let, let's talk a little bit about your book because, um, you know, one of the things that, you know, in, in, in my I've got six kids, Father, and um, God, good job. Any priests? Uh, no. Will you nope. tell some of the, one of them? You say you have to go to seminary. Just pick well, one and send them. I think you're going to have to come to dinner, yeah, Father, and and, <laughs> and sit down and talk to one of my two boys. But I'm yeah. one of uh, ten kids, Bless and God. and so uh, I think I was kind of uh, my my mom thought I was going to become a priest, but uh, didn't happen. But um, my uh, you know, one of the things I t I've tried to do is to read, you know, a lot of uh, books and I came across your book. And when I read the book, I, I first when I opened the book and I read the first line and I was thinking, uh, this is going to be an interesting book. You uh, are going to die. <laughs> are going to die. And I was, I was sitting there going, you know, that's a pretty profound thing to think about because sure. if I, if I think that, or I know that I don't have any control of when I'm going to die because that's the great equalizer among all of us, isn't it? That no matter what color we are or creed, we're all going to pass away is that then I may focus more on the meaning of my life. And mm -hmm. so when I, when I read that book, I said, this can be a good book. So then I started reading it and all the chapters I like, I mean, I like these chapters, uh, be a man who stays focused on the final goal 
be a man who loves, lives as a beloved son, be a man who repents, be a man who lives in the Holy Spirit, be a man who is strong, be a man who is loving, be a man who is wise, be a man who lives as he was created, be a man who is holy, be a man who changes the world. I like that last one. What's the point? Tell me about how you got going on that book and what inspired you and how, how the habits were that you, you wrote that book. Cause it's so good. Sure. Uh, well, by God's grace, I, I taught all boys at a Catholic high school here for eight years, Cathedral Preparatory School for Boys. And we had anywhere from 650 to 700 boys when I was there every year. And they would look at uh, their heroes were football players, sports heroes, or, uh, you know, musicians or, you know, other things. And I said, your hero got to be Jesus. You know, like, we just, they're just not taught. But I think so often that people... We're not taught, you know, I, I think that often in the last 50 years or so, when people looked at men in the church, we were considered weak. You know, if you if you believe in Jesus, you're weak or different things. And I always wanted to show them, you're not a man until you act like Jesus. And that's why, you know, when I called it be a man, it's from 1 Kings. And it's the last words that King David said to his son Solomon before he died. He says, I'm about to go the way of all flesh. So take courage to be a man. And then it says, and slay my enemies, and that's that. But I didn't go there. But I wanted them to know that, okay, there's something masculine about following God. And then when we talk about the perfect man, Jesus Christ, you know, that's where we talk about the Holy Spirit. Because it's the spirit of the living God. And there's four chapters that have to do with the Holy Spirit. And when a man surrenders to the Holy Spirit, it makes him more of a man. And a man is one who lays down his life for God and for others. Huh? Whereas too many people people today, more than ever today, people see life as about what can I get? And a man is about what can I give? You know, when a boy decides he wants to become a man in the secular world, what does he do? He joins the Air Force, the Marines, the Army. And, you know, when he goes there, uh, you know, they're really nice to him the first couple of weeks right at boot camp. You know, guys, so you want to wake up in the morning, you know, and go for a walk with me? No, they kill you to make you a man. And yet often in the church, we're so nice to our men. You know, guys, you know, try, no, it's hard. Oh, stop it. You know, like how? always tell people you become a saint or go to hell is there any questions there is no in between you know god calls us to be saints and so you know the life of christ is he calls us to a cross you know dietrich bonhoeffer says when someone when jesus calls someone to be a follower he bids them to come and to die you know, and so that's why it comes down. Are, am I going to try to keep focusing on my life or am I going to give away my life? And if I die every day giving away my life, then Jesus says, now I will find life. But the world says, no, 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 you got to put yourself first. You got to take care of you. And when you do that, you lose your life. You're not happy. You have no peace. But when you give away your life for God and others, now you have peace. Now you have joy. Now you know you're making a difference in the world. And that's what God calls us to do. So it was just looking at all these boys every day and saying, you know, they need to have a direction. And then, too, you know, when I was young, I always would uh, speak to men's conferences because, you know, the guy that they often say about me, I am a spiritual drill instructor. You know, I am one that comes up and tells guys, this is what you got to do. You know, and so some people are very turned off by that. You know, like even someone called me once and says, hey, father, 
if you're going to redo the book and it's been, you know, it's still in the top 10 in the world, but they says, you should change it, the title. You know, the title is kind of emasculating. And I just says, oh, all the more, if you think it is, you need to read it 10 times more than everybody else. You're afraid of a book because of the title. It's scriptural. Thank you very much. So there's just this call today to, to get out there and to be a leader, to be a man, to be a lover, you know, and that's the, again, the whole thing. And again, all, everyone asks me, you know, uh, because I have a, you know, CDs and that out, you know, like biggest one is on confession. So they say to you, Father, what's the most chapter, important chapter in your book? I always say chapter two. And they often think of me like, I thought you'd say chapter three because of your confession stuff. No, no, no. Because you can never give away your life until the chapter two, it says, become a man who's no, he's a beloved son. Yes. For Jesus began the moment he was baptized in Mark chapter one, verse 11, where God the father says, you are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And I think that most people never get there. They still follow God out of fear. They never follow God out of just being, knowing they're loved. And then if I know that I'm loved by the almighty God, now I can lay down my life for others. Jesus in his humanity could lay down his life for others because he heard the father say, you are my beloved son. But if we have this ache and we're always, you know, a person in pain is always concerned about themselves. But when we're freed of that and we know who we are in God, I am beloved, my father. Now I can give away my life. And so that was the whole point of still the whole purpose of the book is to help men know who they are before God, that they are beloved sons of God. And now they can go and give away their life. And as they do that, then we together can change the world. You know, I, I really like that story you told in the book about how w when you were in seminary and you were at that retreat and that nun came and talked to you about, um, you know, that scriptural passage about you figuring that out. Because, you know, I, I do think that, you know, that is foundational to mm -hmm. understand that we are created, that God only creates beautiful, glorious things like, you know, in humans and that we are created for a purpose, and that if it's good for us, God will give us anything we want. Absolutely. And I, and I believe that to my core, and I, I think that's what resonated with me from the book is that I, you know, when I, was, when I was reading the book, I was like, okay, this is what my mom kept telling me over and over and over again. I wouldn't listen. And finally I listened, and, I'm, and obviously, you know, uh, Father, uh, I'm a huge hypocrite. You know, I will tell you this. I make mistakes every day, every day. But but I'll tell you, I, I really like that, that that first part about making sure that that we know who we are as a son and a, a beloved son. And then that way we can make that move to, to make a meaningful life for others. Absolutely. The deepest need in everyone's heart is to be loved. There is no other need. And if we don't fill that need with God, we'll fill it with everything else. Money, power, sexuality, drugs, alcohol, food, fill in the blank. So the only way that that can be, you know, once a person comes to truly know who they are before God, when they are tempted to sin, it's like eating a piece of uh, feces and trying to fill it yourself because nothing else will fill you except the love of God. And that's what really is the core of bringing people to conversion or repentance. Because like I say again and again to people, if the only reason you follow God is so you don't go to hell, well, who do you love? It's yourself. Right. You only yeah. love yourself. 
yourself. You're doing what you're doing so you can go to heaven. And again, God will use that there. But again, it talks about in the scripture that perfect love casts out fear. And love is not yet perfected in those who are afraid. So if we're living these lives of fear, the, pre, the reason it keeps us focused on ourselves. So I'm constantly telling people again, too, I just say, you know, I have no fear of going to, to, going to hell. Not because I don't deserve it. Oh, I deserve it big time. But because my father loves me and with all my heart, I try to do what he wants. I fail again and again and again in many ways, but I keep coming back to him. And if I know that he created me to be with him forever, that that's his will for me. You know, God, my, my book called Surrender, the opening line of that book is God wants you in heaven. And most people don't think that God wants them. <laughs> like, you're going to go to purgatory, you're going to go to hell. If you're darn lucky, you might make it to heaven, but I doubt it. You know, and so we always go around waiting for the this God and heaven's going to come down and just wait for us to mess up and then bang us. And boom, now you deserve eternal damnation. And we do. But again, like one of the things that we've got to fight with more than ever is Pelagianism. And Pelagianism is that we earn our way to heaven. Right. It was against grace. We believe in grace that what Jesus did for us on the cross dealt with our sins. Now we have to keep repenting, keep surrendering, keep letting him have control of our life. But it's what Jesus Christ did for us, not what we do for him. And boy, that is such a mindset that I have to fight with almost every time. And people look at me like, well, Father, are you a Protestant? Shut up. That's the teaching of the Catholic Church. Thank you very much. So, Father, one of the things that, that that's another story that I like, because I, I think now, you know, we're looking at statistics nowadays in America. And they, there's, you know, they take these polls about, yeah. you know, what, what faith are you? And there's, you know, a certain amount of percentage of different faiths, but the largest one is this one called none, N O N E. And so, um, and you know, the thing is that, um, you know, I was raised by two people that were saints. Okay. Tom and Joanne Shannon. Uh, I lived across the street from a cathedral. Um, now my, in my grade school, they, they went to Catholic grade school. All, all of us did and then Catholic high school, et cetera. And they took us to mass, et cetera. But they, but I turned away you know, when I went to college and, and, and lived kind of a, I would say an Augustinian life. Again. And, and, uh, and then, um, but the thing that, that I uh, thought was interesting in the book was when you asked all those boys that were sitting there, how do you know there's a God? Maybe you could tell us that story. Again, one of the things was like, it comes from me being down in uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I was speaking to 800 uh, high school boys in an all-school assembly. And I say to them, I say, I submit to you, little pagans, that Jesus Christ is not God. Prove to me that he is. And they all sit there and they're like, because it's eight o'clock on a Monday morning and they know the priest is going to put them to sleep. And so when I, I have to go right for the juggler vein and I say, he isn't God. You prove to me that he is. And I go, uh, uh, and I'll sit there and say, you, you tell me, would well, you believe Jesus Christ is God? Uh, and the number one answer is, I don't know. 
I go, you, come on, someone, you're in a Catholic school. Come on, Catholic high school. Someone tell me, you, do you believe he's God? I don't know. Do you believe he's God? And they always get the one they'll say, uh, yes. Well, why do you believe? Because he died for us, Father. And I go, is that all I have to do is die for you? I get to be God? I got to die anyway. Why not die for you? And I blow it out of the water. I'll say, you, do you believe he's God? Yes, Father. Why? Because he performed miracles. I go, woo. Benny Hinn performs miracles on TV. Ever see him? And is that make Benny Hinn God? Oh. And then he'll sit there and say, you, do you believe Jesus Christ is God? Yes. Why? And then they go in all these things and every single one I'll blow out of the water. Now, every once in a while, then they get one outside. I'll never forget the one boy. I said, you, do you believe Jesus Christ is God? And he goes, no. And I go, okay, enjoy hell. You. And everybody goes, Whoa. you know, but everybody goes and I'll say, finally, I say, I finally get the answer after about 15 minutes. I'll say, you, do you believe Jesus Christ is God? Yes. Why? Because he rose from the dead. Ding, 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 ding. How do you know he rose from the dead? The Bible says so. Ooh, and we blow that out of the water because Jews people have Bibles and it doesn't say Jesus Christ is God. And they'll say, okay, ask me, ask me, ask me. And they'll say, okay, do you believe Jesus Christ is God, Father? Yes. Well, ask me why. Why? Because I know him. I've experienced him. You know, again, I'm 60, but since I was 17 years old, I've always done a whole yard every day. You know, and again, part of it for men too, is like this morning, like every morning, I was up at 3.50 in the morning. By 3.55, I was in my adoration chapel and I do a whole year from 3.55 to 5 a.m. every day. Why? Because I have to get to make sure that I know God. And the only way to get to know God is to spend time with him. You cannot get to know God by just going to Mass on Sunday. I'm sorry. The church says that's the minimum you can do. But usually people just go to Mass on Sunday are still pagans. They just go to church because they're afraid. They use Sunday Mass as fire insurance, right? I go to Mass so I don't go to hell and I die because we were taught when we were kids, if you miss Mass on Sunday, it's a mortal sin, you go to hell. Now, it's like, okay, I don't want to miss Mass. Okay, so, but that's the only reason a lot of people go. But they don't have an experience that Jesus Christ is alive and that he loves them. And so my, the thing I've been pushing all these years as a priest is to help people to experience that Jesus Christ is real, that he's alive and that he loves you. That's why he died on the cross. And until you get there, you're just kind of like going through the motions, hoping, believing, you know, this is what I was taught. You know, I, I'm a Catholic because my parents were Catholics. Well, that's not good enough. I'm a Catholic because I go to Mass on Sunday. You can be an atheist and go to Mass on Sunday. It doesn't really matter. But do you know God? And again, the teaching of the church is pretty clear. Remember the catechism, the Baltimore, Baltimore Catechism told us, who made me? God made me. Why did God make me? God made me to know him, to love him and serve him in this world. So like if I'm doing a parish mission, I'll say, so do you know God? Like, you know him like you know your, 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 your wife, your husband, your mother, your father, your best friend, your girlfriend, your boyfriend. Do you know God? And if the answer is no, really, I don't know him, you haven't even begun to live the reason God created. All right, so let's do this. Let's, we're, we're, talking to, we're talking to some young people here, okay, that, that, that may be listening. I don't know. I will, hopefully they'll listen to this. And we'll figure out, so what's the first step for, for folks, these nuns, not people that don't believe in anything. What's the first step for them to enter into this journey that you're talking about to uh, this meaningful life that you're talking about? 
the first step is to spend time. You know, there is, I can't tell you to believe in God. Because you'll look at me and say, you're a priest, you're supposed to say that. Who am I? I just say, I'm just some stupid guy. But you got to find out, because this is eternal. Our time on earth is pit. Our eternity is forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. You know, and what you do on this little time of earth determines your eternity. So this is the most important question you have to answer. Is God real? And so the only way to sit there and do that is to spend time and say, God, if you're real, I want to know you. And just by saying that, you've now opened the door to God. And then, like anything else, like I, I, I talk about it in my book, but all the time when I'm dealing with high school kids, because I've dealt with high school kids 30-some years, and I'll just sit there and say, so, how do you fall in love with somebody? And they'd come out of different things, and I say, you spend time with them. How are you going to fall in love with God? you got to spend time with him. And so, you can do that by stopping at a church every day. See, and like my grandmother had a ditty, every time I pass a church, I stop and make a visit. So when the time comes when I'm wheeled in, you know, in a casket, he won't say, who is it? So <laughs> I'm stopping there and saying, God, if you're real, I want, that's what I did at 17 years old. God, are you real? Aren't you real? Do you care? Don't you care? And then he revealed himself to me in such a way that my whole life changed. Tell me about that. Tell me about that revelation. How did how, you actually heard God speak to you? I heard God, not in an external way, but in an internal way. Every day I'd sit at the church of Epiphany and I would just sit there every day and say, God, if you're real, I want to know you. God, if you're real, I want to know you. Because I had seen Billy Graham on TV. Remember Billy Graham? Oh, yeah. Billy was there and he says, I've seen people die. And he says, some people when they're dying, they're afraid. And I don't want to die. I'm afraid. And other people when they're dying, they're saying, they got a smile on their face and saying, Jesus, I'm coming home. And I thought, you know, if you can face death with no fear, that would be the greatest gift. And so that's when I really start searching even deeper for Jesus. And so I would sit there and say, Jesus, I need to know this, not for anybody else, just for me. If you're real, I'll do anything for you. If you're not, I need to do that so I can live my life the rest of the way, my the rest of my life the way I want to live my life, you know, and that's it. And so while I was there kneeling, and I was literally kneeling there, and I had my eyes closed, I'm kneeling before him, and then just I just heard him say that I am real. Here I am. And I remember sitting there going, huh? You know, like what? And it wasn't an external thing. It was an internal thing as I'm there. But that made such an impact on me that that's what, 40 years ago, 42 years ago now, that my whole life has been changed because of that. And I had had glimpses, like once when I was, uh, before I entered seminary, I'm sitting in my, I used to live at my grandmother's house, and I'm sitting in the, in the uh, rocking chair. And as I'm sitting there, I just came to an experience that God the Father was loving me. You know, like you're, you're so loved. And I'm just, I didn't know, I couldn't put uh, words to that yet, like what that is. It became more real when I sat there in the front of the Blessed Sacrament, in front of Jesus' presence in the Church of the Epiphany. And then throughout the years, you know, all these years of me spending an hour with him, it's become real again and again and again and again and again.
Whereas the Lord just, you know, again, as you brought up earlier, when I was the, my, my, I was on my spiritual director and she told me I, I used to make a Pustinia. Once a month, I would make 24 hours silent retreat and she'd have to spend one hour with five verses of the Bible. And I'd say, oh, and so she gave me Isaiah 43, one to five. And she says, you know, Larry, spend one hour with this. I go, don't give me another one, Joan, because in there it says, you are precious in my eyes, you are honored, I love you. And that's the way I used to end all my letters. You are precious in his eyes. You're honored. He loves you. And then put in parentheses. And so do I, Larry, your father, Larry, should say, very nice. I want you to let God say that to you for a while. And so I sat there and I read that for one hour. And when you spend time with the word of God, it's the person of Jesus. So again, like just start spending time reading the Bible can really change you if you pray the Holy Spirit before. If you try to read the Bible cover to cover just as a book, you're going to die and kill yourself in Leviticus because it's so boring. But if you know it's an encounter with the living God and you pray the Holy Spirit to reveal himself to you, that's why I have a big saying, no Bible, no breakfast, no Bible, no bed. You start your day by listening to God and you end your day by listening to God. And now you'll sit there because people say all the time, well, Father, God doesn't talk to me. Come here. Whack! God always talks to you. The problem is you're not listening and you yeah. can't listen unless you spend time with him in his words. So anyway, so I go and I'm sitting there reading it one time, two times, three times, 20 times, 50 times. I'm two minutes left in my hour. Then all of a sudden God hit my, from my head to my heart where he said, you are precious in my eyes. You are iron. I love you. And that's when I heard from God, then you are my beloved son. So Mark chapter one, verse 11, which wasn't when I was reflecting on at that moment, was when it became so real to me that you are beloved to me. And then everything changed because then it went from before I was trying to earn God's love and make sure if I died, I wouldn't go to hell. Now I was responding to the love of a God who loved me. You know, so earlier it was all about me. At that moment, it started becoming more about God. But then even that had changed. And I was making my priesthood retreat. My spiritual director says, I want you to go downstairs and I want you to sit in front of the blessed sacrament. And I want you to just open the Bible and say, God, reveal to me your word. Okay. So I'm going down in front of the blessed sacrament. It was three one-hour periods. And the first one, I said, speak to my heart your word. And I open it up and it came to John's gospel. And it says, I know you so well and you have no love of God inside of you. Close that book. I was so upset. Like, how could you say that to me? I'm going to be a priest. I'm going to be a celibate. I'm still a virgin. And I've done all this stuff for you. And you're going to say I don't love you? Really? And so I left the chapel because I was all upset with God. So then I went back after an hour or so. And I went back and I knelt there and I said, Jesus, speak to my heart, your word. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me know. I opened up the word of God, came to the exact same verse. I know you so well. You have no love of God within you. This time I closed it, I walked, I took a nap. I did not want to deal with God. And I thought, I can't believe he said that to me twice. So I came back that night and I said, okay, Lord, I'm sorry about these last two things. Speak to my heart, your word. And I said, Jesus, be nice to me, would you? And I opened up the word of God and it came to the exact same space. I know you so well and you have no love of God inside of you. So then I realized that I was being a priest and everything else was for me. It wasn't for him. So I said, Lord, you're right. I'm so sorry. So I ask you, to, you created me to recreate me and put love of you inside of me. And he did. And so when we sit there and we know that this is a relationship between persons, the persons of the Trinity and us, and that God is always on this journey with us. It's much more than a bunch of rules, but I think so many people get turned off because they just see the rules. 
but the rules are they're not even enough when you're in love you know you married all these kids there are rules about marriage but like I boys I'd say gentlemen you'll never commit adultery against your wife later in life would you and they'll say no father why because it's a rule you shall not commit adultery no father well why wouldn't you do it because I love her and I wouldn't want to hurt her ding 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 love takes you deeper than any rule so once you experience the love of God now out of love again I'm 60 years old and I'm still a virgin and I'm not still a virgin because I had nothing better to do with my life it's because once I gave him that gift, now I could sit there and give it up today and I could go to confession. I could still be a saint. I could still be a priest. Oh yeah, I was sorry. And I move on. It isn't enough to have the rule. It has to be an act of love. Lord, I gave you this and I don't ever want to hurt you in that way. So this is my gift to you. So everything we do must become an act of a relationship of love. And it'll always make us holier. It'll always make us do more than we're supposed to do. Again, if the only your whole life is a Catholic is I go to mass on Sunday and I try to be a good person. Well, pagans can do that kind of stuff too. Do you go out of your way? You know, like today in the gospel was uh, when Jesus, you know, they said, Mary, your mother and your brothers are outside. And he says, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? The one who do the will of my father. That's the one that makes us members of the family. And so, like Jesus said, the world must know that I love the Father and I do everything to please him. So once we get beyond all this stuff and I start living a life that the world must know that I love God and I do everything to please him. Now I'm living the life he wants me to live. I'm more loving to him and I'm more loving to others. Because again, with all this, you know, today there's people that are just so Catholic or so Christians. Everybody else is evil. Well, Jesus said, all people will know you're my disciples. Because why? Because you love one another. Right. By definition, if you're not loving other people, you're not a disciple of Jesus Christ. I don't care how holy and how you commit all, you follow all the commandments. You're forgetting the number one commandment. Jesus said, the way people know you belong to me is because you love other people. And so that's the biggest uh, thing right now that we are sometimes, and it's, you know, I often say it's easy for me to love God. Please, easy. It's hard for me to love people sometimes. Right. And so I say, God, I can't love them. I can't, I can't, I can't. But you can. I give you permission to love them through me. And that's got to be where we're going. It's got to be. If not, we're still in all this. It's all about me. And again, one of my kids who got ordained, he sat there and says, you know, Father, every day I went to your daily mass for how many years? Now he's a priest. And he says, you know, the one thing I learned about you, Father, from your homily, I go, what's that? And he goes, it's not about you. <laughs> he says, right. there you go. Well, that's one way of doing it. Tell me, um, so, you know, as, uh, you know, going through all those, those, you know, uh, an hour a day going through to try and get to know God better, being open to those relationships. Tell folks, I know, although you've, you've been a priest for a long time, uh, I'm, you, you just give the impression that you have the best life of all time because you're a priest and it's a great life. Whereas the world, a lot of the world can't see, see that, understand that. Um, tell folks what's practical about the faith. What's, what, what, how, how does that make us happier? 
practically to, to, to do what we're talking about. Someone uh, emailed me the other day and I've known him a long time and she was dealing with her granddaughter and her granddaughter says to her, grandma, why should I put God first in my life? Why? And so and the grandmother was having, you know, is there a book in that I can give her? I go, no, I don't know any book for 11 year olds that are asking that question, but it's a great question to ask. And I says, the reason is when, when you put God first, you got to remember who God is. God is love. And so now you learn to be loved, first of all, the deepest need in your heart, and then you learn to love others. And that's the, if, if there, is there any other more important purpose in life? You know, I often complain, I have a new book coming out called uh, Just Live It, Living the Ten Principles, the world's most famous prayer, which is the Lord's Prayer. And I talk about in the first, uh, the first chapter, it's, you know, our, and we must love all people without condition. And I, I talk about one of the, 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 it's a good thing that should be in the church, but it's of the, oh, uh, what do you call that, Rock Cafe, uh, it's a big restaurant all over there, uh, Solid Rock, or, you know, what it's a Hard Rock about. Cafe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there, you know what their motto is? It says, love all and serve all. Really? A pagan place like that. This is yeah. their motto. I have it on their cups and everything else. Love all and serve all. I said, that should be our motto. You know, the, we, we don't have to agree with you, but I can still love you, though I don't agree with you. And that's where we have issues. So the more you come to know God, what that looks like is I, again, the way I end the book and I say, what a relationship with God looks like practically is we become people that do two things the rest of our life. It comes from St. John Vianney. We pray and we love. That's what it comes down to. Your prayer is where you get to know that you're loved by God. It gets to, you get to know what the will of God is for you. And again, the promise of getting to know God and living his will is peace. Think about how many people don't have peace. And yet that must be the promise of the scriptures is that we must have peace. And the only way you have peace is when God's will and our will become one. Because now you're living why you were created. You know, what's the purpose of life? It's to do God's will. That's the purpose. And so once you get to know that, you, like, again, I've been a priest and I love it and it gives me peace and I wouldn't change my life for anything. And you can tell it by the fruit. Not because of me, but because of God. The fruit lives change throughout the world, all this stuff, because it clicks. This is what God created me to do. And so you can tell by the fruit of what happens. And so when a person finally sits there and spends time, they're going to learn to have peace in their life. And they're going to start changing others and bringing other people to a deep knowledge of the love of God. And that's the most important thing I think we can do. And then you become the most loving person. You know, the person that I, my spirit director for many years, he's up for canonization, was Monsignor Peterson. And Pete was the most loving man I ever met. And I often thought I'll never be able to be like him because he was a pastor, but he also took care of the poor. At the rectory he had, he had um, an old rectory and there was at least 50, the doors were never locked at the rectory. He had beds everywhere, even in his own bedroom. His bed was against the wall, you know, another bed there and a mattress on the floor, all street people. 
every night for dinner, all street people. I'd be there. I was a seminarian. I'd go walking in. I had to sleep on the couch one night. And the guy, I woke up because there was a guy staring at me and he was sitting on the chair and because there was no <laughs> doors. And I said, uh, can I help you? He said, oh, don't go. Don't worry about it. Go back to sleep. I go back to sleep. But here was a man that never locked his doors. That Any person was welcome there 24 hours a day. There was food. There was place to stay. And once someone came up to him once and he was standing out in front of his church and he said, Father, can you lend me $20 because my mother just died? And Pete went and pulled out his wallet and gave him $20. The next week, and there was a nun talking to him at this happened. So the next week, the, he's talking to the same nun, and the, the same person comes up to him and says, hey, Pete, can you lend me $20? My mother just died. And Pete pulled out $20 and gave him the $20. Bucks. And sister says, Pete, you know, he couldn't even give another lie to you. He couldn't even make up another lie and just gave him 20 bucks. And Pete says, that man deserves my love and affection more than I need my 20 bucks. And I thought, shut up. <laughs> really? Is, wow. this, is this the kind of love that when, when we really get to know God, we'll really learn to love more. So what's the harm in that? There is no harm. You have right. peace and you have love. There isn't anything else. I think people go crazy is when some people become, the more Christian they come or Catholic, the more judgmental they become. Right. And that's just not of God. You know, no matter how many times we say it, it just isn't of God. And I, you know, when I was younger, I was very, very black and white. And it's still, still right is right and wrong is wrong. And you still got to stick up for what's right and what's wrong. But we have to walk with people. To right. Get God is. You know, one of the things that I, I read in your book, and I was kind of blown away by it, but I didn't really read it that way, was, you know, um, when Jesus was saying goodbye to his buddies, he said, you know, what, you know, I have to go because the only way the Holy Spirit comes in is after I leave, and then you will do greater things than me. And I was, and I, and I, I listened to that, and I read that, and I was unbelieving. Sure. And so why don't you address that a little bit? Well, let's look to uh, be a, the perfect example like that is most of the saints. Padre Pio was a bilocator. You know, he could be in two different places at the same time. Again, showed again and again and again, documented by location. As far as we know, Jesus never did that, right? right. So Padre Pio, because he believed in Jesus, could bilocate. He could do all these things. And that's why that I have seen miracles constantly when I do a mission, everything else, that God still does miracles. The problem is most people, first of all, they don't believe in God. And second of all, faith is an issue that we don't see as many miracles anymore because of faith. You know, again, when it even comes to the Catholic church, what is necessary for a sacrament to work? Faith. If you don't have faith, you can't unlock the power of the sacrament. That's why if you ever see people go to communion, they go up and they go to communion and they walk right out the door. They have no faith. Nothing in their life has changed because they have not unlocked the power of the Eucharist. Or you say, well, tip a typical high school kid, he gets confirmed. Oh, there he goes. He gets confirmed. The bishop lays hands on him and da, 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 and they walk out the door. Nothing's happened. Why? Because they don't have faith. Faith is necessary to unlock every sacrament. We're not talking about magic. We're talking about faith. We're not talking about superstition. So faith is necessary. When Jesus went and healed people, what did he say? Your faith has healed you. So what we got to be talking about is in, first of all, we must have faith. 
And then we got to instill faith in others, right? Again, like I get what I'm doing a parish mission last night's when I do the healing service. And I say, uh, you know, what's necessary faith. And I says, you got to believe that God can do things. If God can't heal, I say, I'm leaving the priesthood today. I'm going to the Bahamas and I'm going to get 10, 21 year old women and we're going to have a fine time. They go, father. And I go, am I going anywhere? No, why? Because I know God can heal. I believe and I've seen it again and again, even something as simple as I was in Rome for my sabbatical. And when I went, I came back and I was coughing a lot. And uh, we have a, a lung surgeon here. And I says, uh, Jeff, you know, could I have pneumonia or something? I'm just keep coughing. He goes, no, but you could have bronchitis. I'll come over to the rectory because I'm right across from the hospital. I'll come over to the rectory tomorrow, your office, and we'll check you. So he come over and says, you sound fine, Father. Your lung sounds fine, but come on in and get a, get a x-ray. So I walked in the x-ray and then it's all instant now. He says, let's go look at your x-ray. So we go in the x-ray and he stops and he goes, oh, Father. I go, what? He goes, and there was on my on my x-ray there was a size of a quarter a mass on my on my lung and he says father we're gonna get you through this you're gonna be fine i go that's fine whatever god wants and so he said no it could be just a shadow so he says come back in four weeks and we're gonna take another x-ray and okay i was in the middle of mission so it was middle of lent so six weeks and he got me after mass he's father you got to come and you got to do this today Okay, okay. So I went over, I got the x-ray, and we, he said, let's look at, the, uh, look at the last year's. And so my mass, which was a quarter, had now become this big on my lung. And then he goes, okay, Father, well, okay, we're just going to have to deal with it. You have to go get an MRI or whatever, we'll see how we can best deal with this, to see how big it is, and we'll get you through this, Father. Don't worry, well, thanks. So anyway, uh, I go, came back, and it was my birthday, March 26th, and I have to go get this MRI, whatever, they put that stuff through, and they go in the machine. And um, so before I went over, I knelt in front of Our Lady, and I don't know if you know the, the story of Mother Teresa. She had her mini novenas. And a mini novena is 10 memorares. Nine is a novena. And so she'd say these, remember I was Grace Virgin Mary, never was a no, nine. And then immediately she'd say the 10th one for in Thanksgiving that God and Our Lady would hear her. So anyway, I, it, was, it was after, after I just took that. So I just took the thing. I came over. I knelt in front of Our Lady and I said the 10 memorares. And I said, Mother, if it's time for me, to go to God, I'm ready. But I also know the doctor can call me and says there's nothing there, whatever. And I went, I sat, I went back and I went to my rectory and I'm sitting in my uh, easy chair and the phone rings and it's the Dr. McGovern. And you can tell he's like jumping up and down on the other side of the phone. He goes, Father, 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 there's nothing there, there's nothing there. And I go, praise God. And he goes, no, no, Father, you don't understand. I've had three doctors look at this. It was a mass that had grown double in six uh, in six weeks. That's a terrible thing. He says, Father, it's not there. It's gone. I go, praise God. I said, don't you believe that? Well, Father, it normally doesn't happen. So the next day he called me. He says, Father, do you have any idea what happened to you? And I go, yes, I have plenty of ideas. That was six years ago. Nothing. You know, and again, but miracles happen every day if we believe them. And when Jesus said you can do far greater things, that's exactly what he means.
things. And we got to start taking God at his word, because if we can't take God at his word for the little things, we can never take God at his word. When I take my last breath, I'm going to live forever, you know, because that's a big thing. Our whole life is making faith and faith isn't faith until there's nothing left to hold on to. So we must be people of faith. And that's why, like when all this stuff, the pandemic and everything that's going on and all the fighting and everything else, they say, why are you getting all crazy? We know how this ends. God wins. And so when people get crazy, I say, don't you have faith in God? Well, yes, Father, but look, ah, ah, do we know how it ends? What's the worst thing that can happen to you? You're going to die, okay? And then you get to go to heaven forever to be with God. You were not created for this earth. You were created forever, for, for eternity. And I said, faith is what gets us through every day. And since a lot of people don't have the faith that God's calling us to have, that's why they're always living in fear. If you don't live in faith, you're going to live in fear. So, Father, you know, one of the things that I really like about um, the book, your life, etc., is you have every excuse. You, you grew up with alcoholic parents that didn't believe. You, you had all sorts of problems, you know, early on. And, um, you know, one of the things that, that I think we've become is a little bit of an excuse culture. That, hey, you know, my... You know, the reason why I don't do this, I can't do this is because, you know, uh, I had a bad childhood or whatever. I mean, all of us had some bad things. Now, the one thing I have to say, I was unbelievably, I mean, we didn't have that much money. I think my mat, my dad, you know, was a social worker. I think he made less than 20 grand a year. Mm-hmm. We ran out of money in the middle of the month every month. But I had two parents, which is probably the richest thing in the world somebody could have yeah. in our society because – you know, I just took my daughter down to St. Louis to go to medical school and she's had nice. you know, two, two parents that, you know, have been with her through ups and downs throughout her whole career. You know, and I, I, my heart goes out to the, the people that grow up with either no parents or one parent and they're just hold, trying to hold on and um, talk to those people. How, how I mean, Absolutely. Our, shouldn't our heart go out to them? Absolutely, it should. But then we need to go and talk to them and lead them to the Father. Because again, when Jesus said, call no man Father, he sure didn't mean priest. He meant that guy who is intimate with your mother and begot you. You know, like, I, again, when I do baptisms, I say, you know, there's a guy and a girl there. I say, we all know Joe here is not the father of this child. And everybody goes, oh, and I go, who's the father of this child? God is the father of this child. He used Joe as an instrument of fatherhood. But Joe is not the father of this child. God is. And so that's why I always tell people, no matter who your father was or wasn't, whether you knew him, whether you didn't, God wants to heal that and show you what a real father is. That's why when we say the Lord's Prayer, the word father, Teresa Avila would go into ecstasy for at least two hours every time she said that prayer. You got to know the God of the universe as father who loves you. And then instead of saying about how bad your childhood was or you were adopted or you were abused and all that, and all that's true. I had all that stuff. I was abused big time. I was abused by the rector of the seminary and I was a junior in high school. I have all these things I've had to deal with. And I could have focused on that or I could have focused on the Father. And when I came to know that the Father was real and he loved me, then you can get through anything. Now you're based on this solid rock. So all of us have bad experiences that we've grown up with. 
but God wants to heal them and reveal to you who he is. He is your father who will never let you go. And if you get that, you'll be able to experience anything. And I just think that's where it comes down. Wow. And so father, you know, as we're wrapping this up, um, there's a, there's a, uh, organization, the reason for our hope, is that what it's called? Yep. It's my, my foundation, the reason for our hope. And so tell us a little bit about that and how we can help you. The reason for our hope is a foundation. All you have to do is put Father Larry in Google, and that'll be the first thing that comes up is the reason for our hope.org. And our purpose is to bring hope to everybody. You know, that like every morning and every night, I put out tweets or Instagram or different thing. In the morning, it's a kick in the butt. And at night, it's always a gentle thing. And it's always, you know, try to give us peace because I think that's what we all need. We just all be told, oh, I love you, I love you, I love you. Okay, you also have to grow. You need both at the same time. So the reason for our Hope Foundation exists to bring the world to Jesus Christ. huh? And so, and every time I, you know, the God, every time I think that we're going to have a problem, like with the pandemic, like I'm usually out on the road 45 times a year. I haven't been on the road since March 13th. You know, I came back from Miami, right? And all this was happening. And I thought, oh, it's going to be bad. Well, God, you know, we have 3,000 people every day watch my daily mass, 8,000 people on Sundays. And the foundation is reaching more people now than ever. And the purpose of it is to bring hope to people. So in the midst of all this darkness, I often say to people, you know, no matter how much dark the darkness is, if you light one match, light one candle, the darkness can never overpower the light. So the reason for our hope is Jesus Christ. And so we have a foundation that keeps piercing the darkness with the hope of Jesus Christ to bring the world to Jesus. That is why we exist. And so there's all kinds of DVDs, uh, CDs. There's all my homilies there for the last uh, 25 years. So if you're ever bored, you can't go to sleep at night, just put one of my homilies in and you'll be asleep within five minutes. <clears throat> we'll see. Anyway, so you can go and do those things. And everyone is to challenge us, but to also give us hope and to give hope in this time of darkness. That's great. Hey, Father, if you wouldn't mind, would, would you give a blessing to our listeners? Absolutely. Father God of love and mercy, we ask your blessing upon everyone who's listening to us now. Give them your Holy Spirit, a spirit which isn't a cowardly spirit, but one that will make them strong, loving, and wise. Help them to know you and to know your love. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Padre, it's been a great chat. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And, and keep up the great work, will you? Thank you. God bless you. It was a great time. Thanks for having me, Joe. All right. Take care, Father. God bless you. Bye-bye. God bless you.